Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Putin. This is episode 196. I am joined in this post draft lottery podcast episode to celebrate staying at 11th, not moving down for once, amazingly. Uh, I'm joined by Prez, that's at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing all right. I had something happen that put this in perspective for me. I was at a work event and a buddy of mine is a Pistons fan. He's from Detroit. And I didn't realize that they had dropped from two to five. That sucks. Yeah, I mean, that sucks. I also don't care. They got the number one pick last year. Like That's, that's fine. That's true. So I'm I'm not I'm not gonna feel bad for them. I think they're fine. I actually I will say this, I think in some ways it'll be a blessing in disguise for them. Um, I think Ivy's going to drop to to five. I um, think someone will take sharp. I think, I don't see why the Kings, or, you know, well, let me, let me do the thing first and then we'll get back into this. Uh, before we get started, <laughs> I have to announce Strickland as Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a $6 here that gets you access to this podcast every Friday that I do with Prez. It also gets you access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, you get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. Draft channel has been popping since the lottery. There's further tiers. There's a $9 here that gets you access to my solo pod, Strick and Roll. That also gets you access, much more importantly, to wonderful weekly articles by the tremendous, talented duo of Matthew Miranda and Jack Hunley, two of the best in the business. Beyond that, there's further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier. $50 tier and $100 tier. Those get you access to a variety of other benefits like listening in on pod recordings, live watch parties, merchandise discounts, and if you listen to the Monday pod, even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, uh, yeah, the Knicks got the 11th pick, but I want to finish this conversation we were having before I had to deliver the wonderful Patreon pitch. I don't, the Kings can't take Ivy. They can't because like they know that doesn't work with De'Aaron Fox. And they know this because him and Halliburton didn't work and him and fucking what's his name hasn't worked that well either. Davion Mitchell. So why would you take Ivy? I don't think they can take Ivy. I don't think Sharp is that much I don't think Sharp is meaningfully bigger than Ivy. That's the thing. But his play style is different. Very, yeah. very different. That's yeah, the big but, problem. But, event, but you're not, if you're drafting Sharp that high, it's not because you think he's like destined for anything less than very high usage. Right. But his usage is derived extremely differently than Ivy's will be. Ivy's usage is like, yeah, he can shoot, obviously, which is good. But he's not a guy that you're going to be like running fucking pin downs for and flare screens and having him run around screens to pop off. Sh- like, like that's not what he's going to be. Sharp can do that. Sharp could probably I mean, will do I mean, a lot of that to start. I mean, it, maybe he could, but it's not like that's not what he's done. He's been an on ball three point. Like his whole thing is on ball three point shooting, like step backs and side steps and pull ups. He wasn't really like running up. I mean, what high school student is doing that, right? So, like, that's what I'm saying. So, he might be able to do that shit, but, like, I don't think, like, he's not like math, he's not like Matherin to me, where you're like, okay, I've, like, this is his thing, like, running off ball screens and Corver-type movement threes. I think, to me, if I'm the Kings, I'm taking whoever's better of the two of them, because, like, either way, Sharp has longer arms by a little, but he's also, like, 30 pounds lighter and not quite as I mean he's athletic like vertically but he's nowhere near as fast as Ivy on either end so I'm just taking who's better because either one of them is like you're gonna have to play them 
with the other two if you really believe in all of them. It just is what it is. Yeah, I just I just can't see it then. Then I don't think they'll take either because yeah. I just, I don't they'll see how that happens. Up the, they'll definitely be picking up the phone, like especially. I mean, I forget who tweeted it, and you know, it could be like a LOL Kings tweet, like, "Oh, they just got the bonus, so they'll trade the pick for help now." But it's not really either or, right? Like you can, like you're you can trade that and stay in the top 10, get a young prospect who fits better and get some help, right? Like you can get a very legit player from some team. If you're dealing the fourth pick, even in this draft, like that's worth quite a bit. So um, I can see them keeping it and just figuring out, you know, undersized for a uh, backcourt later, but uh, I could also definitely hundred percent see them seeing what's up with the offers. I think they're definitely trading it then. Like if if there's just no way because they're they're like McNair is in the last mm-hmm. year of his contract. Mm-hmm. He has to win, yeah. so he doesn't have time to fucking sit here and. You that's know, the go thing. Through. That's the other thing with Sharp. It's like whatever <laughs> Sharp is, it's not paying yeah. off next year. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, like I mean, that's the thing with Ivy too. Is mm-hmm. he's developing? Obviously, hopefully, you would the best form of him is probably as some kind of primary, but more importantly, like you already know that this team concept of like De'Aaron Fox with another guard who needs the ball a lot. We have, especially one who look, I mean, Ivy has the tools to be a good defender, but he's not a good defender right now. And he's not going to be a good defender as a rookie because 90% of rookies are not good. So like, we already know that does not work. If you need to be winning games, like you're not doing that. So I just don't see how they they keep the pick, or even if they do, I don't see how they draft one of those two guys. Um, which, look, I guess that's probably the perks of the guy. If you have an executive that has some secure job security, he doesn't have to pick with that pressure on him. So, mm-hmm. sucks for them. Um, <clears throat> sucks for Kings fans, really, more than anybody. But um, this is not a Kings podcast, contrary to popular belief. This is a Knicks podcast. Uh, the Knicks got the 11th pick. I don't... I, I really did not... You were I mean, just I, like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I cared, <laughs> but I did not... I was not upset. I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Did you watch like, live? Yeah, I did. Nice. <clears throat> um. So, you know, I think it's, it's fine. They got the 11th pick. They were supposed to get the 11th pick in their kind of like most likely outcome. Nobody that is super annoying jumped. Like I, the Kings are the only team that jumped into the top four. It's annoying which, that they jumped, but it's not like fuck this bullshit level <laughs> annoying. <laughs> well, it's annoying because you're like, they probably will fuck it up because they're the Kings, but it's not annoying in a sense. Like they're not a team that moves up all the time, I guess. So like, it makes it less annoying. Um, and they're just like, they're, they've, had terrible luck. They're the Kings. Like it's fine. I'm not going to be upset that they moved up. I'm, I'm a little be- upset just because like they've they've had luck and squandered it in a lot of ways. And uh, like Fox is like I remember like that draft. Fox was my favorite player. He wasn't number one for me, but he was my favorite player. And I, of course, I was like hoping the Knicks could jump up and get him. And instead, these fuckers jumped up. And like we, you know, we come, we we rightfully over hyper analyze his game because you know he's at the point in his career where it's put up or shut up and it's almost time to make a lot of money but like you know you take a step back and it's still a tw- he's still a 25 point per game point guard who's gonna get a huge amount of money and he already got a huge amount of money yeah he already got it yeah you're right sorry i i don't know why i conflated that and then uh, obviously they could have had Luca, and they chose fucking Bagley. Yeah, I mean that pick is insane. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. Like, as far as like, time. we often talk about the luck of jumping, but let's discuss this: the luck of being bad in the right class. And they've been bad in the right class twice. Like, not all four. What, what was the Iron Fox pick? Four, five, five. Yeah, not all five picks end up as good as the Iron Fox. In fact, I would say most of them don't. Alonzo wasn't for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Lonzo yeah. hasn't um who else went above him? Fultz. Fultz hasn't done shit. Really. Right. Right. And I then... mean the Fultz thing was weird, but yeah, exactly. Like Yeah, whatever. Like we could pick apart his defense and his shooting, but like the guy is like twenty five to somewhere between twenty five and thirty a game. Penetration. Pretty 
great athlete. Like, you know, he's going to, what does he make per year? Like 30 something. Yeah. 30 something. Yeah. Like fucking, like there are lots of top five picks that are much worse than that, especially fucking fifth picks. So they got super lucky for jumping in the correct year. And then they got well. You could you could say you you could say that, but they also are a little bit unlucky because the pick they actually had in that draft was the third pick in the draft, but they had traded away the swap rights to that, Mm -hmm. which Philly exercised. So Philly actually had the fifth pick. They exercised the swap, so they get the third pick, and then they traded the third pick to Boston, along with another Kings future one for the wonderful. The truly, truly wonderful Jason Tatum for the first pick. But Jason Tatum got drafted with a third pick. That could have been the Kings. It could yeah. have been the Kings. But it wasn't. They got Darren Fox, which is terrible. They also, th- look, that I don't, I actually don't think they get enough shit for passing on Luka. Like, I got to yeah, see none, here. And- none of the teams do. None yeah. of the teams do. It's horse shit. Like, we're going to have to wait until this motherfucker is inducted into the Hall of Fame before we, like, LOL, the Blazers passed on Michael Jordan, these teams to death. And it's fucking insane. Like, are you shitting me? Like we just we we're broken records on here. This is a Knicks podcast. If the Knicks fucking passed, we get shit because we passed on Donovan Mitchell. No, no, we get shit because we didn't draft fucking the New Orleans guy, uh, <laughs> Herb Herb. Oh, yeah, Herb, Herb Jones. Jones. Imagine we passed on a fucking express ticket Hall of Famer who's basically white NBA Jesus, like. <laughs> We get shit on because we like like the Donovan Mitchell one is crazy to me though because this isn't like Luca was actually at the time there were plenty of people who said he should have been number one. I don't think anybody had him lower than two, and like like so effectively effectively three teams passed on Luca by the way. Yeah, okay? because yeah. the the Suns passed on him, yep. the Kings passed on him, and the Hawks effectively passed on him because they had yep. the third pick and they traded out, and that trade like and it's like. Every like, single one of those teams doing that is completely indefensible. Like the the under the thing is, like when Michael okay, so Michael Jordan gets drafted third, Hakeem goes one. Nobody shits on the Rockets no. because the guy they drafted ended up becoming a top ten player of all time, like a truly generational player who just happened to be in the same draft as the greatest player of all time. Like Trey Young is really good. I like you love Trey Young a lot. Yes. I don't think you would ever put, like they're not in the same class of. Players. I was going to bat for Trey Young hard, and I was correct out this motherfucker, and I would laugh in your face if you offered me on draft night. Like if you're like, oh, if you got the number one pick, would you trade it for Trey Young? I, hell no! Like, and I would. It's still laughable now. Like, it, it's just so. I, I mean, we don't need to. They like, didn't even. Get, they didn't even get a fucking good pick out of it. They got a. Uh, they got matter. like a top five protected first out of it. And they use it on Cam Reddish, who, bless his heart, is like hopefully going to be a solid rotation player in the NBA. Unless that pick, time. unless that pick turned into Victor Wembanyama, then it doesn't matter what the pick is. Like this was just he was so ob- it was so obvious how insane he was. And some of the things that I heard from people, there's like the stupid people who actually did have him outside of the top two, but the actual. Smart. There were smart people who sometimes said things like, "Well, he's so skilled already. What? How can he? You know, what is he going to do better in the NBA?" There were. That's the kind of literally. That was his main critique. Was aside from like, "Oh, he's not athletic." Is he's so skilled that he can't get more skilled? Like, do you realize how insane that is? Like, that's my, crazy. I think my one concern about him was like how heliocentric his play style was, and. I also was a little bit concerned because I I took some of his bad shot selection on like step back jumpers and fadeaways and stuff as maybe he's not good at actually getting separation, but it was just mm. he had t- stupid shot selection. Like that that's what that and he still has like pretty he has some interesting stretches of shot selection to say the least. But he's so fucking good that it really doesn't matter. Um but yeah, look like I think let's we can we can revisit this topic a little bit later, but uh, I'm actually like looking at that 2019 draft now to think like, is there some player outside of the top five they could have drafted where you'd be like, okay, maybe this is somewhat reasonable, like maybe the overall value of this. What the Fox draft? No, no, no the 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 Luca thing. Um, there's just nobody. There's like the best player after the top five, so they took Cam Reddish at 
10, the best players are probably like Cam Johnson at 11, Hero at 13. Then you got. You mean like overall or like value? No, just, yeah, the better. No, just the best players overall. Like Brandon Clark at 21, Grant Williams at 22. It doesn't matter if they pick any of those guys. Jordan Poole at 28. It, it literally does not matter if they pick any of those guys to go along with Trey Young because that's how good Luke is. Um, it's yeah. like it's yeah. it's just insane. That like it doesn't matter if it was Aiden or Jaron or Bamba or Carter or Ka- like literally anybody. It doesn't matter. Michael Porter Jr. got a fucking max deal, and it doesn't fucking matter. Like <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, look, the Knicks have the eleventh pick. There's a few things to talk about. Uh, personally, this is just me. I would like to see them trade up. Um, I would like to see them trade up for Shaden Sharp. But if they like, I mean, I don't care. It's they. I think they should trade up for somebody they believe in. If there is somebody that they believe in that they think has star power, that isn't you know one of the top, they're not going to move up to the top three. Like there's no chance they can move up that high. I think those three guys, which are going to be Boncaro, uh, Chet, and then uh, Jabari, I'm almost positive those will be the top three picks. Like I don't see. I don't think any of those teams will be interested in anything the Knicks could offer in trade anyways. So to move up to the, would probably take like mortgaging a shit ton of your, your own future draft capital, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, but like, I think four might be attainable for stuff we discussed earlier. Like, because the Kings will want to win. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about um, like what you see as uh, like the ballpark level of offers that would be needed to get to that anywhere from like four to eight? I know those aren't necessarily the same. I mean, I but... think four, I feel like four and five in this draft. I'm not sure this is true. This might not be true for everybody's boards or everybody's teams or whatever the fuck. But like, it does feel to me like there is that, t- like, I think, it's kind of separated now where there's that top three, those three power forwards. And then there's like two where it's Ivy and sharp. And then it's like a flat range. It feels like after that from six to whatever. So I would think to get to four and five, you might like, maybe it's something like you give up 11, you give up next year's pick unprotected. And then you give up. uh, I don't know a piece that one of those teams wants. So you're not going to give up RJ or quickly. I don't think in that scenario, I don't, I, I could understand why somebody would feel like it's worth giving up Obi to move up in that scenario, but I don't think the Knicks feel that way. And I wouldn't do that. Um, not for somebody in this draft. Anyway, other drafts, I would probably consider it, but not in this draft. Uh, I would not, so I think it would be like that, like the 11th pick, next year's pick unprotected, and maybe some other kind of future first rounder. Uh, it could be a protected one. It could be, like, I, it would have to be protected, but I don't know what it would be. I doubt adding the Dallas pick would get you much because, again, Dallas is... Locked Look, this, into being great, yeah, exactly. <laughs> barring like, Luca injury, <laughs> right? Exactly. They're in the Western Conference Finals. Luca's twenty three years old. Like you know, like they're no team is going to value that pick as anything more than okay. This will be like the twenty sixth pick or something like that at the best, right? Um, so yeah, maybe you give up. Then you give up the Knicks' own like twenty twenty five first top eight protected or something like that. I don't know. Just ballparking here, um, and then you know maybe you can you know if it's the Kings and they want to add a win now piece, maybe Detroit wants to add a win now piece too. Like, would a player like Alec Burks, Arvin Fournier be appealing to them? I think Fournier would definitely. It, it, he should be appealing to Sacramento because they have no fucking shooting. Um, and if you're are building something around De'Aaron Fox and Demonte Sabonis, at the very least, like yes, the defense is going to be problematic. It's problematic anyways, but like. You absolutely need shooting. And is Fournier the perfect guy to add to that? No, but the guy can fucking shoot the ball flat out. So maybe he's appealing. Burks, maybe he's appealing. Um, you know, is Randall appealing to either of his teams? I don't know. I wouldn't think so, but who knows? Maybe Detroit has a move set up for Jeremy Grant, so then they have an open spot at the four and that makes Jeremy and that makes Julius Randall appealing to them. I don't know. 
just kind of spitballing here, but that's what I think an offer would require is two the the pick this year, an unprotected future one next year, some kind of protected pick, or depending on the value teams assigned to the vets, a couple of vets pieces. I don't know. That's what I would think uh, would be the value. I think I really think getting to like six, seven, eight is just like our pick this year and a top five, top four protected pick next year, and then unprotected the year after. I would do that, by the way. If like if they like somebody, like let's say Sharp drops the six and they can make that deal, I think they should do it. Um, you know, you have the built-in protection then of like, well, even if we suck, but and, and we happen to move up in the lottery to a top four pick, we at least protect ourselves for that because that is a draft where you want to have that protection. Um, I would maybe even consider dropping to three or like making it a top three protection so that, yes, you expose yourself to the potential for... If, if the pick moves up to four, it would convey, but like, you know, like I think that's a risk worth taking if you really are high on a shaded sharp or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always a big fan of going to get your guy. Um, unless, unless you get unreasonable and that's not reasonable. That's not unreasonable at all. Like next year's pick isn't that good. Um, I mean, it's a great draft and it's any pick can be useful. Right. But like, it, it's not, significant Dallas is too good um and they're getting better uh and yeah a protected pick you really all that's really all you have to do is protect against the jump and like if you protect against the jump but not against like the double jump where like you jump and then other teams jump and push you back then that's pretty rare so I I think that's a gamble I'd be willing to take um if it means getting sharp or you know I don't know who else would I don't know who else would be their guy who they couldn't also get at 11. I mean, it's one thing I go back and forth on and I'm curious to know what you think about is like, we have some data from the combination of parents time here and uh, Wes's time here in New York. And then also parents time in Utah to like sort of read the tea leaves in terms of what kind of players we have drafted, but I'm still hesitant to say, this player is a parent or this player is a, you know, a Knicks type of player Um, because the sample is so slow. I mean, so small and we've seen them kind of with our higher pick with Obi kind of throw their normal preferences, alleged preferences to the wind for a different type of player. So I don't really know. I don't feel confident at 11 or okay, six. you won't even to know like what is a Nick player. I I honestly think this just seeing the combine measurements today, Mm. I really think if they are at eleven and they know they're not keeping Mitch, I think they might just take Mark Williams. I could tell you know I know Walt Perrin is fiending for so for people who don't know, like Perrin famously drafted Gobert. And it's not just it's not just that he drafted Gobert, it's like the type of center he likes and what this team, like, I mean, you look at the guys they've they've kind of chosen to have at center so far over two years. They are rim running bigs with extremely good vertical pop and guys rim who move protection. well and are yeah. very very athletic and very gigantic. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure even if you look at off the top, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure if you look at um like Gobert's backups in the parent years, it's probably the same shit. Um, you know. White side ass players and shit like that. So Williams, uh, for people who aren't fucking nerds looking at combine measurements on Twitter real time, uh, had a nine foot nine standing reach, which is like the most bigger. It's more more than Gobert. Mitch is nine four. Gobert, I think, is nine seven. Yeah, it's like nine seven and a half. Yeah, and he's you know Williams is obviously like two hundred forty something pounds. I think which is already like that's man strength. Yeah, and like, remember, he's not—he's not a freshman. He's—he's he's a junior, so he—he's like a grown-ass man out here, and his strength advantage was very real in college, and in a lot of ways, he was—you know—Paolo was obviously the the guy, the bucket getter, and all that. But Williams was really the integral player for that Duke team on both ends. If you watch them, like on defense is more obvious, obvious, but even on offense, he got a ton of post ups. Um, you know, they were relying on him to crash the glass and. 
get putbacks and stuff like that. So uh, he, he's he's really talented in his own right, and um, he has a little he has mid range flashes. Sometimes it looks really good. Sometimes it looks kind of weird. But um, he's he twenty one, right? Yeah, he's twenty one. Um, so he's not old. He's not young either. Um, which which by the way, the twenty one year old thing that is in line with how they've drafted. Oh yeah. They have taken guys that they feel are more ready to contribute. Now that could be a function of just the board. And also like outside of the eighth pick, I don't mind prioritizing like guys that you feel are plug and play later in the draft. Um, especially, you know, they picked at fucking 19 and 32 or they picked at 21 or they ended up picking up at 25, 34 and 36 and 58 in last year's draft. And then the year before they ended up picking at eight. And then obviously uh, 25 where quickly went and to their credit like i think the guys they picked are dudes that can play but still have some upside yeah, um absolutely. so whatever i could also see them doing a very like brock Aller thing because you know williams is not gonna likely make it so charlotte picks 13 and 15 and he's not so he's not making it past 15 so are I we could... sure about that they did draft kai jones last year kai is cool um but I, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they're doing developmentally, so uh, I can't well, really say. <laughs> my, my my thinking has been, like, they did fire Barrigo. You have to think some of that is because they... To play Kai more. Right, he just didn't play any of their... Forget just Kai, like, Book Knight, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, even JT Thor. Like, I think he actually played the most out of those three, but he didn't That's play true. much. It's definitely possible. Um, But I just... I don't know. Kai, Kai has a lot of strengths, and Rim protection wasn't really one of them, even though he was a physical specimen in his own right. So, uh, but then again, maybe Charlotte doesn't give a shit about rim protection, right? All they care about is offense. So, like, it could be possible that they just are like, nope, yep, we're going to play Kai because we think he can shoot and run and do all that shit that doesn't win games. And we're going to ignore Mark Williams and his ridiculous defense. So, uh, it's, you know, it's certainly possible. But if I'm the Knicks, I am picking up the phone and calling. Who's their GM? Charlotte? Uh, Kupchak. Yeah, I'm calling Mitch, and I'm like, yo, we're going to take Mark Williams. Do you want a deal? And seeing what they say, just to see, if they, in case they are thirsty. Cause... You want, do you want to give us Lamella? Yeah, exactly. I have an <laughs> offer you can't refuse. No, just give me, like, because, again, say say the Knicks, the Knicks are at 11, Charlotte's at 13. Say there's a guy they really like, but that guy is gone and they can't trade up, whether it's Sharp or Davis or someone else, then you're looking at another tier and say the next guys you like are, it could be Tari Eason, it could be Jeng and, or whatever, and you could be pretty confident that one of them is going to be there between 11, 12, 13 and just say, hey, maybe we pick up like a first for moving down two spots or a protected first or some shit like that. So, um, you know, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, they can definitely, it, it's really, and I said this in our re, lottery reaction roundtable, but I wouldn't be surprised trade up, trade down, or trade out. Like, uh, any of these options to me can be defensible in the right situation. Yeah, I I, I just want to say with Mark Williams, that I've actually, I've been, I, again, I don't know much about the draft. He's just somebody that when I watched it's okay, you can year. say it. You're, you're Mark Hive. Yep, Population, Schwinn and Coach K. Yeah, <laughs> I like him a lot. I think, and the fact that he measured the way he did, I think is really awesome because he's, he's not as stiff. Like, no. Gobert is pretty stiff. And even he, for his size, to be fair, is like athletic, I think. But he's he's a stiff dude. He's, uh, Mark, he's, more, he's more like Mitch before he put on the weight when Mitch was at like 250, but still extremely mobile. He's, Mark is more like that. Yeah, he is, I, I think he's, I wouldn't say he's a 99th percentile athlete, but he's like a 90th percentile athlete. Um, for his size, especially the way he moves, how quick his load time is on like second jumps and stuff like that, I think is super impressive. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I really, really, really like him. And the thing that I really like about him, and what I think differentiates him from somebody like Gobert, is he is not just a vertical rim running guy. Like, this is a dude, if you, like, you know, one of the things people have always said about Gobert, right? Well, he can't take advantage of the fact that teams hide smaller players on him when they go five out or something, or they switch screens and he can't beat the mismatch in the post. You will not be able to do that to Mark Williams. Mark Williams will be able to punish switches. 
he'll be able to punish smaller matchups. He has post skills. He has good touchdown there. Like that is a real quality value that he provides. And at his size, the way he projects defensively, like he's an older prospect, but he is, I think, I don't know if you agree with this or not. I still think he's like a little, he's a bit raw in terms of you can kind of see the wheels turning when he's playing instead of just like he's doing shit instinctively in a way. Um, but like, I mean, I don't mind that. I think that's, like, you kind of have, have to expect that with most young players, especially young bigs. You have um, to, di- you have to dial him back, which is, and so I'll plug the the next draft Strickland, which I think drops the same day as this shop featuring, uh, Beloved Knicks superfan Mo at Mo Loves NBA. Um, we talk about the bigs. We t- well, not the bigs, but we talk about um, four of the bigs, including Mark Williams, um, the non-Duran bigs, basically, the next four up. And um, we get into like their pros and cons. And so if you want to learn more about Mark, definitely check that out. But yeah, he's, you know, like a lot of these guys are really high block rates. He's very jumpy. Um, he does this thing that's really hilarious and endearing where if he gets a switch or he can get a switch. He plays up on these people like he's fucking Patrick Beverly. <laughs> and usually it just ends up with him getting fouled or him getting, I mean, him fouling them. Mostly that's what happens. But also, they'll just like drive past him because, you know, he's agile. But come on, bro. Like, you have a nine foot, a million wingspan. You don't need to be in their shirt. Like, it's just, it, but it's like an intensity intimidation thing, right? So like, I get it in college. So I'm sure he'll, like most young guys, iron some of that shit out uh, in the first couple of years of his career. You know, Tibbs tip, tip, will get him right if they pick yeah. him. <laughs> and I think I think a, a, one thing to to bring up about him that I do think is I wouldn't say it's super concerning, but it is something to be aware of. He didn't have the greatest defensive rebound percentage over his time at Duke, so that's definitely something that he needs to bring up um, for a center. But he was a really good offensive rebounder. So I, I just for context, I think his rebound rate on the offensive glass is basically like comparable to what Mitch did this year. Obviously the NBA is different than the than college basketball, but rebound rate is usually something that translates pretty well across levels. So that is a good thing. He had an absurd PER. He had a 33.1 PER this year, which is insane. College uh, bigs always have crazy yeah. PERs though. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh I like that he improved his free throw percentage this year. Uh he went from 53.7 his freshman year to 72.7 this year. Um like, there's signs here of a improving player if you just look year to year. And I think that's really encouraging. Um, his block rate is fucking bananas. Uh, he had an 11.4 block percentage. Again, college is so weird because you can literally have your center stand at the rim. Like, they, there's no three, you know, there's, there's no three uh, defensive three seconds. So that's, it's always inflated a bit, but he is somebody who will be an effective rim protector. All his measurables scream that also um yeah like i just i think that this is a player that i i think i don't remember if you asked or if somebody did a, i think you might have done a twitter thing a while back where you were like who's somebody you think could get drafted higher than people have right now it might have been around the time of the ncaa tournament but i i said mark williams and that like you see how we measured and then you look at the history of what nba teams do in the draft i mean size no matter what you can, people can talk about small ball and playing down and five out and all this shit. At the end of the day, if you have a big guy that can move well and has absurd measurables, NBA teams are going to fall in love. They are going to fall in love. And Mark Williams, to me, I'll, I want to get your thoughts on this. I think if the Knicks were to take a big at eleven and. For the record, I'm not usually a big fan of taking centers that high in the draft anyway. Um, but like, if, if they are going to do that, then I would much rather take Mark Williams than Jalen Duran. And the reason isn't that I think Duran sucks or anything like that, but I do think Duran is like the stuff that he does that I, that people give a lot of value to are like, Oh, like his jumper could be a thing and he has playmaking upside and like, yeah, sure. He has playmaking upside, but like to me, he is not somebody that ever is going to profile as like, we're running offense through him. He's an offensive hub. I don't think he has that type of game. I don't think he has that type of offensive upside. Um, and as far as the shooting goes, like I, 
struggled to see him ever being the level of shooter that like it matters. Like I don't think he's gonna have some awesome offensive grab like shooting gravity ever at any point in his career. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know how you think, but like that's just my thoughts on him because I like the overall skill package he has, but I'm going to take the gigantic dude who moves well and is going to be an awesome rim protector over the guy who is probably going to be a less awesome rim protector, moves really well, and can do a few nice things, but not at an elite level. I don't know if that explained that well, but that's just my thought on it. Yeah, I can't get there um, on either of these things personally. Like, I, I don't, I would be extremely disappointed if they took Mark at 11. Um, not because I don't think he's good, but I think it's a, given all the other things the team needs more long-term than short-term, I just think it's a waste to pick. I, to me, I, he's like a zero upside pick. Like his ceiling is very good player who you could probably go and sign in restricted free agency one day for like $14 million or something like that. So he, that's that's a worthwhile player. It's just my, my v- approach toward this draft, if I was the GM of the Knicks, would be weighing upside a whole lot more than in a normal year, just because we have so many solid players already. Well, what if what if the Knicks could make like a hush hush wink wink type of agreement with the Hornets, where they trade them Mitch for either thirteen or fifteen, and then they use eleven on Mark Williams? Would that change your feeling about it? So the Knicks would get a second player on top yes. of Mark Williams. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be more okay with that. Um, because whoever whoever they like at eleven, there's a decent chance that they'd be there. At and your 13. guy Tari is probably going to be there at thirteen. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that like yeah. who are going to be there. Like that's just how it is. Unless you only like one more one player at that slot, then you'll probably have someone you like. So you know it's fine. Um, so in a situation like that, like I- I'm definitely hesitant to bring in two young players, but. Assuming Mitch is going out, that's minutes going out, and then you have your center rotation, which is going to be some combo of Sims, uh, Mark, and power forwards, I guess, depending on who's on the roster, which is fine. I mean, your rim protection is not going to be as good as it was last year, but it'll still be solid. I mean, and this it guy's can, gonna... it'll it'll level up over the course of the year, right? Like that's what you'd be hoping for, anyway. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. more importantly, it would level up over the course of a couple of years. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. Yeah. Because, but my, my so that was the one thing. Like I, I just there's other guys I fucking love their upside so much at that level at that pick. Um, Tari Eason, um, Uzman Jiang, um, guys like that. Um, if Johnny happens to fall, he's in that category as well for me. Um. And I think he's going to fall. I, I've like just been li- seeing people talk about him. And if you I just look at the order. It kind of, I, I can totally see it. Um, Like with the wizards, I mean, the wizards are weird, but at the same time, like that's Beal minutes, man. That's tough. Like you got to help please Beal now, you know, they're going to they're <laughs> take Dyson Daniels. Dyson is the best of both worlds. It's, he helps Bradley Beal right now, and you don't have to compete with small ball minutes by like you could play Beal and Johnny together because Beal basically plays point half the time anyway. But like with Dyson, it's just a it's a perfect fit. Um, if you think Johnny's the best player, like to me, Johnny's a better prospect than Dyson. But if you think they're close, then the fit is like a thousand times cleaner and it, it's like fit need complements the pieces that they have, like their team, they have an identity. Like I, I'm a, you know, me, I'm a fake wizards fan. Cause I'm here in DC and they had a thing going for them last year. They had a bunch of tall fucking guys. They spread the floor like crazy. They hit the glass. And, uh, when Beal comes back, that's what they want to surround him with. It's shooting and size. And, Dyson gives you that. You could put him at the one, and then all of a sudden, Brad is the shortest player, and he has like a ten foot wingspan himself, and is jacked. So uh, it it just really is a good fit, and I could I could totally see them passing on Johnny. Um, I could also see them taking Johnny because they're just like Johnny's the best player, whatever. <laughs> 
The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's weird because they're not great, but they have a bunch of like wings, mm-hmm. big bigger wings, but they also have like KCP. I mean, they just have a bunch of like wings. Yeah. So I think Johnny fits in that sense, but he, he I don't know, his skill set to me isn't what they're going to be looking for in this draft. Um, now, maybe they just have such a high grade on him at some point that they're like, fuck it, we got to take him. Mm-hmm. But uh, to go back, like what I, just the conversations about Davis, like, I'm not sure what it is about him, but I feel like people have assigned all of these, like, it's probably just because he plays for Wisconsin, but it's like the way people talk about him, you would think he's like a non-athlete. He yeah, is people say, because he doesn't no have like windmill fucking dunks and he's not right. Like, like, and then you look at the measurements today and I was telling you, look, he's I was like the same size. He has the same standing reach as sharp. And I, I also, I, I, I messaged you about this like before. I think I messaged you about this the night before the draft lottery. So this is not like me coping with the Knicks having the 11th pick. And, and you know this because like for the longest time, I've just been like, Johnny Davis is boring. I don't care about Johnny Davis. Um, 100 DMs later. <laughs> but like, but like there is something about him that really reminds me of Brandon Roy. And, for anybody who doesn't know, I don't say that lightly because Brandon Roy is quite literally my favorite player of all time. Um, like, and then you look at the measurements today; they're basically in line with Brandon Roy. And Brandon Roy was like, "I'm not saying this like one if he's as good as Brandon Roy." By the way, uh, please run to the podium and draft him, New York Knicks. Uh, like, if he's Brandon Roy without the uh, the degenerative knee, if he's seventy five percent of Brandon Roy, run to the podium. Yeah. So, uh, like, that's a Hall of yeah, Famer. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, like, what just stands out to me is, you know, look, like, he's basically got prototype wing measurements for a two three wing, not for a three four, but for a two three, he's got like pretty good size, pretty good wingspan. To, to the points you've raised about him, good rebounder, really good defensive player, intense defensive player. Uh, I'm not that worried about his inefficiency as a scorer because I think it's like he did not have the skill set to be a 32 usage guy, but that is what was asked of him at Wisconsin. And he also had really shitty floor spacing. So it's like the outcome is that, right? If I, like the, the outcome is that he ends up having to it punishes his efficiency. And I think like he's, I just think he's being punished. I, I just think like there's way too much down talk. Like it, it just feels like people are assuming he is this low upside guy. And I, I just don't see it like that really. Like I, I think it's easy to mistake boring with low upside is the way I would put it. And yeah, we when see you that see that every year, like with France. Yeah. And like when you see this motherfucker taking like, 15 pull-up middies a game, you're just like, a eh, little upside, can't get to the rim. Like, you just assign a lot of value to that without appropriately adjusting for context. And, like, I think he... I, I, and I want to shift a little bit. I think this is a good place to... Con- this Johnny Davis conversation leads also, I think, to Benedict Matherin, another player, another wing who a lot of people like. And, and Dyson. Yeah. But I don't want to talk about Dyson because I don't give a shit about him. The Knicks are not drafting Dyson Daniels. <laughs> Berman uh, just uh, just uh, published uh, a Dyson propaganda. G-League's Dyson Daniels could be intriguing Knicks PG option. I'm yeah. quick. I'm looking while you're talking to see if there's yeah. anything sourced at all. <laughs> you, already, you already know it's bullshit because there's no fucking chance the Knicks are like, this motherfucker can be our point guard. Like, 
Can you imagine being like, Tibbs, we got you a point guard finally, dude. <laughs> like, what the fuck? The, Tibbs would probably have an aneurysm if they did that. Um, no, but like, a lot of people like Matherin a lot. I think he's an intriguing prospect. And I guess like... Plug, real quick plug. Aside from Biggs, Matherin is the other player we talked about on the most recent draft, Strickland. Um, Mo is a big fan. And we uh, went pretty deep, deep dive. So check that out. Uh, good. I will check that out. Uh, but like, I, I'm correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure Davis gets to the rim at a better rate than Matherin. I think he, neither of them gets to the rim much, but Matherin probably does. Matherin, Matherin gets to the rim, but not like, like he gets to the rim other ways by cutting and coming off curls and shit like that. I'm talking more, I'm talking about like on the ball, like dribble penetration. Neither of them, neither of them really do it significantly. Yeah. at all to be honest <laughs> okay and i just like you know I, I i don't know what matherin does as a creator that people are assigning a lot of upside to him whereas davis is looked at as like not an upside guy and they're both second year players right so i would assume they're similar ages uh matherin and davis yeah yeah, they're both young sophomores. Yeah, so like it's not like one of them is significantly younger than the other. Matherin definitely has more vertical pop. I don't think he's necessarily a better athlete though. Um I don't think like vertical pop is not the only measure of athleticism. Yeah, they're both they're both athletic, but you're right, they're completely different kind of athletes. Um Matherin's no slouch in like all the other types of athleticism it's just like all his 2k athleticism points are in just catching fucking bangers on people like one foot two foot no feet cutting fast break half court whatever no space all the space he just has crazy bounce as we all saw in the tournament but davis is like davis has like football athleticism like he's he's just good in like tight spaces and his first step is really good and he moves around screens like fucking slender man and shit like that so He's and, and he has some pop at the rim. People forget, like uh, when when you have a decent standing reach and big hands, like he does, um, he uh, he can run into some easy buckets that way. Matherin, yeah, I, I think a lot of it. There's two things that I think cause Matherin to uh, have that like top ten label follow him a lot more sticky, stickily, stickier. One is Arizona was really fucking good, and he is the best player. So. That that will that will always affect your stock, right? Like they were arguably the best team, and then two, he was one of those. Like Johnny was a surprise breakout. Ivy and Matherin were not. Everybody, not everybody, but many people tabbed them as likely breakouts the next year. John uh, Matherin's stats in a lesser role last year were outstanding. He shot over forty percent from three. Um, his rebound percentage was, was higher as a freshman, like 16 to 12. Um, so he had great statistical markers and he was young for his class as a freshman. Um, and he was the guy, he, he kind of underwhelmed after that at FIBA as the guy for Canada, but you know, that was still, even if it was underwhelming, it was still kind of a feather in his cap, right? He was the guy on a team, uh, on a competitive team. So um, he had that coming into the season, and if you're scoring 17 a game as the best player on the arguably the best team, it's hard to lose that, right? So, like, other players would have to really take it from you, and this draft wasn't the draft where there was a bunch of fucking beastly guys in the top 10 just, like, just just taking those spots, like, like what'll happen next year. So, um, so that's kind of why it stuck with him, whereas Johnny is... As easy as it was for people to fall in love with him, it's easy for people to fall out of love because we didn't, we haven't seen it for two years. We've only seen it for one year. And then we saw the efficiency tail off um, in the later half of the season after his really hot start when he was in the player of the year conversation. Um, he got dinged up. And Wisconsin wasn't so great. They weren't the worst, but they weren't really that good. So, um, you know, he, his stock has fallen for whatever fucking reason. Um, I'll tell you, I'll say this about Matherin. Like I was down on him for a while cause I still am a little bit, uh, to me, the question that I always come back to is, and I had a Twitter poll on this, but it's impossible for this poll to be useful because 
most of my followers are Knicks fans. I was like, what are the, I'm like, who do you think is going to be better in five years, him or Quentin Grimes? And to me, it's not an open and shut question for Matherin. And if I'm picking a fucking perimeter shooting guard who doesn't drive much, then the answer to that needs to be yes for me to pick him and take some of those minutes away from Grimes. And Grimes is a damn good shooter, um, elite. And the question is, Matherin has to be elite, right? Like, he's better at some things than Grimes, like, especially athletically and uh, finishing. He's much better. Um, they're both really good connector passers. But at first, I was like, maybe Matherin is a really good shooter, but not an elite shooter. But I think I've come back to being a little higher on his shooting. And the reason is I kind of dove into his stats and he has some weird stuff going on with his threes where like on unguarded catch and shoot threes, he shot really poorly. And I think that's just random noise. And I think if that he shot 37 or 38 percent overall, despite shooting like 23 percent on unguarded catch and shoot threes. So if that bounces to a normal level, then all of a sudden he's back at like 40, 41 overall, like he was as a freshman, which is on good volume, like 12 or 13 per 100. So uh, he's probably closer to a very elite shooter than he is a just good but not great shooter. Um, but it's cl- still close enough. And, ma- and maybe this is more about me being high on Grimes than anything. that I, I Because Matherin's not going to be better than Grimes on defense, full stop. Like, Grimes is really fucking good on defense. So I, I just don't... And, you know, he's not some seven-foot wingspan guy either, Matherin. So... Um, that's why I was kind of down on him. But then just looking at his stats again, the most boring fucking stat of all, one of the most boring stats you could pull is two point percentage. And his two point percentage was like 52 or something, which is really good. Paolo Banquero was 53. And yeah, Paolo takes a lot more shots and they're harder shots or whatever. But like most guards or perimeter players are not in the 50s on two-point shots, Davis is like 41 or something like that, and most guards are closer to that. Ivy is at 54 because he's a crazy, vertically, horizontally explosive downhill guard. But aside from Ivy, you don't really see it. And the thing is, like, Matherin, he may not create that much going downhill, but if he's taking a shot inside the three-point line, he may not have access to all the same shots that other dudes do. But, like, if it's a floater, he's good at floaters. If he's near the rim, he's fucking dunking it. So there's a high probability it's going to go in. And he's going to get those dunks way more just because of how athletic and strong he is. So shit like that really matters. So it's, you know, if the Knicks picked him, I'm no longer putting him in the category of disappointing pick. It's more in the category of boring pick. Not the pick I would make, but I could see why they would make it just because we're not good at two point shooting and we don't have athletes. Like it is what it is. Grimes is a lot of things, but he's not a good two point shooter, nor is he a particularly great athlete. So, uh, I, I, I could see it, especially with the pedigree and all that, um, second year players, pull up shooting, all that, et cetera. I have a question for you about Matherin. You messaged me a little while ago about some, fucking arbitrary set of numbers that you were like, is this concerning to you about Matherin? Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So uh, I forget the exact thresholds, but somebody tweeted it. Basically, it was it was some combination of low rebound percentage, low defensive rebound percentage, low steal generation, low blocks generation, and low um, defensive box plus minus um, and if you look at the list of players who meet those low, who are below a certain threshold, which includes Matherin, it's basically a bunch of bumps. So no player who has reached those thresholds became good. And they're arbitrary. It's not, they're not clean numbers like uh, one steal percent or something like that. There's a lot of re- random decimals like 0. 0.6 or whatever. But it is concerning to me because I think people are penciling him into have the D part of three and D automatically be fine. And I don't think he's going to be ass or anything at defense, especially if he comes to a team like the Knicks where they're fundamentally sound all the time and they can even play shitty defenders and get away with it. Fine. Like 
I, I don't want to concede mediocre defense just because our defense is good, if that makes sense. Like, if our defense is good, I would like our defense to become better. Like, we see how these playoffs are. Like, look at Boston. Like, you need guys who can fucking lock up. And, yeah, it's cool that the Knicks Didn't can pull up. up yesterday. I didn't even watch the game, but I believe you. Um, I don't know what the fuck Jimmy did to get that many unethical buckets, but uh, I'm assuming your boy, your new son, Max Struess, uh tore them up. Yeah, he had a good, he had a good second half. He struggled in the first half, but he he, he got it ahead. together. Yeah, yeah. make his father proud. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I I one of my pet peeves is guys who is people online who label players as three and D when they're not elite at three or not really good at D because there's a lot of players in the NBA who are like kind of three and D, but usually the ones who are real three and D players make a lot of fucking money. They're not all-stars, but they make money. It's like McCall Bridges type people or even Grimes, who's going to make a lot of money in his career. Like don't get it twisted. Um, You know, KCP, right. Made a lot of money in his career, shit like that. So I think like the top end version of this would be clay, right? Like obviously yeah, he's yeah. a god god mode shooter, but yeah, he's the yeah. god tier version of that for right. sure. Um, uh, so you know maybe, and Matherin's not without upside either. Like he can definitely, if he tightens up his handle, all of a sudden he might become a whole lot more than a three and D player, right? Like that's we've seen other players do that. It's it's not impossible. Um, so I I could see the vision for sure. It, it's more about other guys. It's more about me preferring Johnny a whole lot. Um, it's Johnny just has such bad context and I'm really trying to swing for guys who have upside skills who play defense or upside on ball skills but can hit spot up shots and play defense that's really what I'm looking for in this draft someone who at worst will be a reliable maybe not super impactful floor spacer but they're not going to be a liability spacing the floor and i don't think johnny davis is that he shot 47 percent on unguarded catch and shoot threes and that's pretty fucking good so not really worried about that um he played a tertiary role on team usa with Jaden ivy and chat and he was perfectly fine at that so um and then guys like tari same deal like 36% shooter and getting better, 80% from the line. Like, you know, those guys will play D and space the floor, but they all have upside on ball. I'm just over the safe picks right now for, for this Knicks team. It's it's not going to do anything from us. And because of our roster crunch, it, it lessens the probability of us being able to unlock and then showcase that upside because quickly is going to have upside unlocked next year and he's going to showcase it for many minutes hopefully same with obi same with a lot of other guys same with grimes so even if you do draft somebody like we know the consolidation is coming and if it doesn't come this year then uh, the the path to to showing upside but either for the Knicks or for trade value is it's pretty tough so um you know when my inevitable board comes out and pieces come out you'll see all, all the guys I'm high on have on-ball skills, can defend, and can knock down open threes because that's my jam this year. So a lot of guys, fortunately, fit that description to different degrees. Even Matherin does a little bit. Um, even Dyson does a little bit. But really, Tari, Johnny, uh, Jang, those are those are my three boys, um, assuming nobody else drops like A.J. Griffin or something.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.